Hey everyone, welcome to Resilience Unraveled. This podcast is the result of my fascination with subjects like resilience, accountability, burnout, life fulfillment and other life and work-based performance issues, as well as many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, people and organisations, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories and expertise, as well as my own synthesis of the key issues, strategies, tips, tools and resources to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, why not go over to our site qedod.com. If you'd like some resources on how to manage and beat burnout, head to qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 for some goodies. Stay tuned to the end to find out details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So today we're going to do something different. We're going to um, jump into uh, the career and the world of a woman called Lorraine Ladlow. Now, I met Lorraine many years ago when I was actually working for her in a client organization. And um, it's fair to be said, I think, that she and I hit off pretty well. And, um, and I, you know, we worked together and she was doing that thing, uh, you know, being working at an organization where she was getting paid a regular salary, going in, looking smart and, you know, doing what she had to do and playing the company line. And then I met her quite recently and there she was doing what we call a portfolio career. And uh, she had many different sort of strings and bows and she and I had had conversations between one point and the next. But I thought it would be fascinating to actually to talk to someone who'd actually made that leap from the corporate setting into that portfolio journey. So good afternoon, Lorraine. Good afternoon, Russell. So um, would that be fair to say you're a portfolio worker now? Would you describe yourself as that? I wouldn't because I, I work on the premise that like a serial killer, in order to be a serial killer, you have to have killed three or more people. And I only have two portfolio roles, so I don't consider myself to be a portfolio holder as yet. You do realise I'm going to have some terrible jokes about cornflakes now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, what you've done though is you, you've moved away from that single source of income, that one job I that have. you've had for many, many years and such like Yes, I have. I have yeah. done that. Why don't you fill us in on what your careers look like and what's, you know, just quickly, a couple of minutes, what's brought you to this point where you are today? Well, I, I think I, I've got a history of, um, of, of changing direction through, throughout my career. And, I, and I, I use that term loosely because career always suggests to me that somebody who's got a, a sort of designated path, something that they've thought about and, and a direction of travel that they're aiming to go in. And I don't think that that my working life has been particularly like that. But um, I think about three and a half, coming on for four years ago, I was doing, as you say, I was I was employed. Um, I was earning a wage. I was in a senior leadership role in quite a, uh, an intense environment. Um, having been working um, to achieve a number of significant goals for an organisation that was under a lot of pressure, and those. Um, goals that have been set by not only just the organisation but by by government as well. We we'd come a significant way into towards achieving those, and some of those targets had been achieved. And it was that circumspect moment, sitting back, saying, um, "Is this? Have I got more to give on this? Um, is this what I want to do? Um, is this still right for me?" And actual fact, it was a sort of health thing um, that 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 changed my direction. I thought 
I had something quite wrong. I was having struggling with my breathing and it's a long story and it turned out to be asthma. Mm. But I thought something was was significantly wrong. And um, my husband and I had talked about traveling ever since we first got together a hundred years ago. And, um, and, and it was that that made me sit back and say, actually, that was a close call. I may not be so lucky next time. And maybe it's time for us to get up and go. And so we both gave up our jobs. We went traveling for 10 months. And so when I came back, it was a decision of, did I go back into that work environment, earning the wage full-time, intense role, or did I do something else? And I struggled for about six months in that transitional period. Um, I was still applying for full-time roles. I was getting interviews, but I wasn't getting the role. I was very reflective of whether that was because um, that 10 months or that by, by that time over a year had had an impact or whether in fact it was uh, that there was an age thing. I don't know. I can't, I can't say that. And after about six months, I sat back and I was going for a, a job interview. My husband said, what's, what's the job today? And, uh, and I told him and he said, do you want this job? Uh, and I said, no, not really. I, I, I don't want to work for this organization. I'd, I'd, I'd known this organization many, many years ago, and I didn't really want to go back. But I thought it was a job I could quite easily do. And I realized then this was a, this was a silly thing to be doing. I sat back uh, and thought, no, I'm not applying for any more roles. And within a really short space of time, I mean weeks, somebody contacted me and said, there's a role going in this organization. I think you'd be ideal for it. And I applied and I got a position there. And uh, somebody who I was already doing some voluntary work for in the football association, I was approached to ask if I would uh, wanted to be involved in, in, a, in a paid role. And, uh, and I, set the, um, I, I did the studying, et cetera, and, and and been involved in that ever since. So those two things. I also do some work on inclusion and diversity, again, in a voluntary role, because that's really important to me as well. Okay. So that's that's where how I come to be where I am now. Fantastic. And so so you you've indicated a couple of things there. I mean, what line what line of work would you say you're in? Would you call yourself a legal professional or a um, how, how do you uh, describe what you actually do in your area of expertise? Yeah, I mean I'm a I'm a qualified barrister, but my my role started out as uh, I actually started out as a police officer. That was my first sort of main job, and and it just kind of morphed into the to the world of law. And I found it fascinating, and and ended up doing my um, uh, law degree and and qualifying as a barrister. But but as as my career progressed, I moved into more into the management side, and um, certainly at that time. It, to be a hybrid of a lawyer manager was quite an unusual position. Mm -hmm. And I found a sort of a niche, if you like there to, to explore that further, because I found I was, whilst I was a, an okay lawyer, I was, I was actually, um, I, I found myself more comfortable in the leadership role and bringing those two skill sets together seemed to work. Uh, and that has, has really assisted me as I've gone through all the different roles having that sort of foot in both camps as it were and that's interesting isn't it because a lot of people paint themselves into being one thing don't they and they almost mm. they almost um deny themselves the permission to be something else uh oh I know I can't do that because I'm this 
but it sounds like mm. you've you sort of played with some of the concepts of saying well, why don't I do something different is that fair I think that's absolutely fair and I've done that ever every single job I've had even my first job when I left school at 16 um I worked for a travel company they used to um, ferry people on coaches around around Europe and my job was to um, get all the brochures ready to, and get them the currency ready for the for the coach drivers but on a Friday the coaches would all come back and they asked the people in the office during the busy time would they come down and help clear out the coaches well the other ladies in the office no 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 they weren't interested in that for me I thought great it's a nice sunny afternoon let's get out of the office let's go down and clean the buses um, another job I had, I worked for um, a, a, a coat manufacturer, again, in the office, and they were looking for somebody to help out on the switchboard. And so I got trained up on the switchboard. I helped out in the in the children's play group. And it was all those things. And I always say that to people, you know, work, I've worked with a lot of young people, um, particularly in my last job, I think 78% of the people in, on my team were under 30. And it's about that being flexible because you don't know what your skill sets are. Just because you are good at one thing, it's important to explore the other things as well because you may find there's other things that you're particularly good at. Cleaning coaches, obviously, is a, is a, is a bit of a niche market. But, yeah. but do you know what I mean? It opens you up and it shows that you are somebody who is flexible, um, you know, who's supportive and committed to an organisation. And, and as I say, it gets you out and explores other things. So do you think that sort of throw yourself in, have a go, just say yes, do you think that's missing in um, younger people today? Do you, think, do you think they're being brought up to be slightly more rigid? I mean, what's your view? Because there's a lot of talk about this uh, younger population being less resilient than, than older generations. But what's your view? There is that, but... Um... I'm trying to think now about about eight years ago I decided that I looked at my CV and it was a bit um, it had been a long time since I'd done any any formal um, studies so I decided to sign myself up and go back to university to do a master's degree in human resource management mm. and so I was working I was the oldest by you know a significant amount so all the people that were on my course were all young bright young things who were looking to develop themselves. Some had just come straight out of university. Others, because it was human resource, were actually working in that, in that role. And it really changed my mindset about young people. We have lots of perceptions, lots of things are said about them. Mm -hmm. But I met some incredibly bright people and I learned a lot from them. So I, I think that mindset of just grouping people and saying they're young people, they're brought up in a certain way or they've got a certain mindset. And yes, they're very driven. And, and the ones, you know, the people that I've worked with, there is a sort of um, a desire to get on. And this idea about staying in a role for, say, two years, that's too long for them. They want to get on quickly, you know, eight months. I want, I want the next job kind of thing. But... Um, you know, do that, having those conversations and spending time with people, it does change your perception. And what you realize is actually, I can learn a lot from them as much yes. as they could learn from me. And we've, in our generation, sort of created a world where you have to be really fast, very nimble, very agile, all that, all those bits of jargon. And then yeah. we have the next generation coming through who want to be nimble, fast and agile. And we're sort of going, well, hang on a minute. That just means you're flaky. And, then, and it actually doesn't, doesn't it? It's actually they're saying that they're, they're coping in a very different world from us. And, and it's interesting you have it in HR. We haven't always necessarily 
built organizations to really think about where we're going. They're sort of more focused on where we've come from in a sense. Absolutely. And I, and having dipped out of the workplace and had that time off and come back into the work environment, it's had it's given me time to reflect when I when I was going for roles and not getting them is to to say, well, hold on a minute. The big picture is we've changed the retirement age. That's going to be you know 66 plus. Yeah. So so we not are going to need to think differently about the work environment. You know, people are they going to be able to continue to stay in the role from say 18 to 66 or 70? No, that you know, we're going to need to look at how people can just take a bit of time out and then pop back in the work environment. This idea of working and retiring at 60 or 65, we need to stop thinking like that. So we also need to think the young people that are driving forward at the moment and enthusiastic and you know they want to get on and they want to be successful probably around 45 or 50 they're going to need to recharge those batteries because they've still got a long old road ahead of them so we do need to think in in a much broader way how are we going to manage the way we work is it going to need to be a full time are we going to need to look at career breaks like other countries do i think it's um in the Netherlands, if you work for a certain amount of time, you can have, you know, a period of time up to three months off. You know, that mm. kind of work um, environment. We do need to think a bit more carefully about that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's, so, so if you think about the, the choice you were making, you were sort of basically saying, I, I, I'm getting to the stage where I've been, you know, w- working in the traditional world, in a traditional job, in a traditional way. You had the asthma thing, and then that'll give you the perspective to come back and and make a decision. But do you think having had that mindset of look, relooking at your CV, rethinking about yourself, repositioning and rebranding yourself, being open to change throughout your kind of career, do you think that made that decision easier in a way? Uh, yes and no. Yes, it made it because I've I've been there before and I know that I've come out the other side. No, in the sense that I loved my job. I loved where I work. I loved the people. It was so hard to step away. And I think I went through the whole of the time I was away and even probably a year after that in, you know, almost loss. You know, it was yeah. almost like a grieving process because I, I, I found the job after all the jobs that I'd had, the one that I made, I believe, made the most impact and the one that had the most impact on me. So, but, but I think that's what you have to do. You know, it's a, it's a bit like this is, you know, I'm, this is sort of a pinnacle and, you know, what's it they say, always leave them wanting more and being brave enough to step away. It's knowing that timing. Don't overstay your welcome. Yes. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people um, underestimate the the socialization the that you get from working in a large organization and then when you work in, on your own or a small organization or you're in and out of different sorts of organizations how you get that social socialization fix has to come in a different way so, yeah so how do you do that it did take me some time to adapt to that to working you know some of the work part of the work that i do i do from home i do it in um some of it I do on the telephone, so I'm, I'm, I'm communicating, but I'm not interacting with people, you know, in a face-to-face. And um, I think the, f- the first six or nine months, again, that transition period, um, I think part of it was I, 
I formalized it, if you like. So when I was working, I was in a separate zone. You know, I, I structured my day. So that was the working day. And, um, you know, I've got quite a, quite a good social life anyway. So that, that was the way I kind of did it. And, and it, it's just coming to terms with it. A lot of it is coming to terms with it yourself in your own mind, that kind of rationalizing, you know, what your fears are of saying, well, you know, that's okay to feel, you know, like I, I, I'm not interacting with people. That's something I've always been very good at, or I've, I've always felt that I'm very good at a good communicator with people. And, you know, to not be doing that, I'm just communicating in a different way. So I then focus my efforts on when I'm doing my written reasons, they're going to be, you know, I want them to be the best. <laughs> so you just have another focus, you just shift. And so that's, so that comfort would change that, that sort of, um, how can I describe it? That, well, comfort would change, I suppose, is the best way of thinking about it. How, how, is that something you build over the course of time? Is it skill? Or was that something you were born with? What comfort with what people Just, or with yeah the ambigu- the ambiguity of the way you work now I suppose. I, th- I think it's always been that way right the way back as I say to those to those kind of early jobs is it's a sort of not a sixth sense but an understanding of yourself of what you're doing of that being reflective of how am I doing is am I delivering what I need to deliver and then that personal element that personal sort of health check what's this doing to me Mm. um I I took a you know sort of I don't know Thelma Louise moment um at the end of 1999 into 2000 although obviously I survived that uh, that particular leap Yes, and I left, an organization. <laughs> <laughs> I left an organization I've been working with uh, for for a number of years and it was it was a career and I've worked my way up in that career uh, but I felt that the, I'd gone for a new role I'd been there about 18 months but I felt that I wasn't the role wasn't as I'd expected it to be I wasn't fully appreciated in that role and it was having an effect on me. I was traveling quite some distance. Um, I felt that I wasn't, it wasn't particularly good for my physical and mental health. And I just decided that um, they should have made me redundant when they had a a reshuffle and they didn't. And so I, I took the bull by the horns and said, you know, you need to make me redundant. You need to you need to pay me off, let me go. And, um, you know, and that was a really big thing. I felt great about it. My husband was more concerned about it than I was. Uh, But I felt it was absolutely the right thing. The organization wasn't prepared to make a decision. So I I made it for them and said, you need to do this. And they went ahead and did that. And it was a risky strategy because I had a mortgage, I had children, you know, we, you know, how, how were we going to manage? I mean, we're not, on the breadline, but it's that kind of thing of, I need to do this because if I don't, I don't know what will become of me. Uh, and then, you know, things happen. You get a phone call from somebody you worked with a few years before who says, Hey, you know, I hear you're leaving there. Um, you know, let's have a chat. And, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. I've been particularly lucky, but I didn't rely on that. I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't imagine that it would, but it did. And I've been very lucky that, that for the majority of my career, as I've moved from one role, that something else has, has come mm. up, that somebody well, has run me. Appeared. But you see, yes. I, w- I wonder if you, um, we chatted about this before, I wonder if you underestimate that 
fact that you've built networks, you've been out to meet people, you are sociable, you are personable. And uh, here we are, we're chatting. It's a long time since we've yeah. done any specific work together. But, but yeah. you know, you are in people's networks and in people's minds and we meet up and have coffees and have chats and we have a good time, don't we? And, and, um, we do. <laughs> and, I, and, I think, and I think it's a secret. I think you can become, I think you become overly insular and, and you have that thing where if you decide to make a decision, it's surprising how many people will, will hear about that because of your network. And I meet people who get stuck into jobs and they'll say to them on a regular basis, are you building your network? And they'll frequently say no. What they're doing is they're building their political clout within an organization. And what happens is when they need to move on, They've not, built, they've not built their political clout outside of the organisation, which is much more powerful in actual fact, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I network always sounds, I mean, people are a, yes. bit, a bit afraid of the term because it, it almost sounds like it's very superficial and I only know you because of your job. But that's okay. The fact is you've got something in common. So, you know, I'm particularly interested about inclusion and diversity. So I have quite a large network of people that I've never met before, mm. but we have a common goal. The same within the legal world. There are people who are in the, the sort of very wide sense of the legal world, not just in the courtroom behind, etc. And again, we have a common goal. I, I, if I talk to somebody, for example, I was in Liverpool earlier this year and I happened to be, having a drink in a bar and chatting to another couple and she's a lawyer and I said you know what are you doing she just qualified and I said look if you ever need any help or anything like that here's my LinkedIn you know let's get in touch if there's anything I can do because you know I feel that my not my not my not that my journey my sort of career journey is over but I feel that I'm in a position that I still want to help other people. I still contact people. I help people with their CVs or if they're applying for a job, people I worked with years back. Um, you know, I say, just give me a call. Let's sit down. Let's have a chat. Because, you know, that's yeah. what it is. It's about helping other people. Um, paying, I mean, this is, pay, this is a horrible phrase about paying it forward. which I think, Paying it forward, yes. Yeah. Just come and, back from America, they're all over it. But yeah, yes, we're all it's over a course. But it is a bit, isn't it? But the, but the idea of paying it forward is that there's a sort of an expectation. I think, I think the thing to do is to, is to do what you think is right, but have no expectation of something in return. And then you, because I think there are some people who do the paying it forward thing in a sort of, very conscious way and then they're quite disappointed when nothing comes of it and and you and you don't and networks don't work that way the point of a network is that you know you're sitting in the middle of your spider's web and it's eight or nine degrees of jingling and other spiders you know all over the place <laughs> hearing hearing the message and sometimes being consciously paying it forward it just you sometimes it seems like you're being paid played almost isn't it and i think um, yes i think just being yourself and you know making a genuine offer i mean i've done things for people where I have no expectation ever of getting anything from it. And I've never been disappointed because often I've got nothing, but that's fine because you give your time willingly, don't you? To, to Absolutely. Help I, I don't want anything for it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, you and I discussed this before. I, you know, there's a lot of work and I know you do a lot of work with organizations and the organization I, I worked for previously that you, that you were involved in, particularly around, um, the management side of it but I, I you know I go on all the time about this but I feel that sort of first first line managers are the ones that are the, at the greatest exposed within an organization because they they're, they're new to the role um, they're finding their feet they don't have 
um, necessarily, you know, they don't have a, a lengthy career. They haven't had those um, breadth of experiences. And yet they seem to come up against some of the most difficult and challenging problems in the workplace. And worst case scenario, because most organizations now work in open plan environments, they have difficult conversations and then return to their desk where they sit with those individuals. Whereas the higher up the ladder you go, you have those difficult conversations and you walk back away mm -hmm. to another part of the office or to another office or entirely. And, and that's that. So that's why I always feel that, you know, those are the people that I, I always try and give, you know, that, that extra support to, uh, you know, and I did when I was working full time. Uh, and, and, and that kind of open door. You've got a yes. problem. Let's talk about it. And how did you yes. handle that? And how might you those? Because I think as I've got older, yes. I, I found that I and became more experienced. The conversations that I had much earlier on in my career, I know how hard I found them. But I think as you've been through that, you become more confident. And I think actually, as you get a little bit older, you become a bit more blasé. You think, well, look, you know, that we're going to have to have this conversation, so let's just crack on with it. And I think the the sort of role or rise of the mentor, I think, has been fascinating because I mm. think focusing pe people on, I know you don't like the word career, particularly in that sense, but I think focusing people on having this idea of a, a longer career, that you're going further, that you need to build skills that you need to actually get to the place where you're going to give something back. And like you've done, you know, you come to a point where you leave a traditional job and you say, well, I can be a consultant, I can run my own business. And I think there are a lot of people out there, and, and you were very clear about this, but you knew yourself well enough to say this wasn't me. But um, a lot of people have a go at being entrepreneurs, realise they can't do it. But, you know, what you do is you built a portfolio career out of getting a number of projects or contracts and pulling those things together. And... There are lots of different structures now that you can start thinking about earlier in your life. And that's, and I think mentoring is good as to, I, I mean, I, I meet younger people and they say, and ask, you know, who's your mentor? And they say, well, we've got this mentor and the helping we deal with the next thing in front of my nose, which is a difficult person. I think, well, that's sort of coaching, isn't it? Yeah. This idea I, of the, the, you know, being someone being there who is a, a wise sage, who's, who's pa passing down knowledge is, is, is good, is useful for people. It is. And it's also useful on the other side of the coin to be able to see people who aren't very good at what they do, because you can see that compare and contrast and having the, you know, the, the common sense, if you like, to sit back and look at it. But I think alongside that is is, is running that sort of formalised um, knowledge, the, the training side of it, because the theory is as important as the practice. And, you know, I think organizations are offering training, but that's one of the things that tends to get hit by the budget. So the mentor is seen as a sort of a, 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 a fill-in, if you like, or a replacement of the formalized training. And I, I don't think that's right. I think those things have to go hand in hand. Mm. And actually people forget that the mentors get a huge amount out of it as well. And that's mm. the point as well. It's a win-win, isn't it? It always has been. Oh, I, there is nothing nicer, Russell, than hearing from somebody that you work with and that you've offered support to along the way who emails you or sends you a text message to say, I just got this job or I've just been promoted. That, to me, is, without sounding too cheesy, that those are the proudest moments of my career. Mm. You know, hearing somebody who you know 
was going to, you know, was showing all those, you know, lights of stardom, but they didn't know it and supporting them and, you know, um, encouraging them along the way and then seeing them as, you know, becoming successful. That's really wonderful. Mm. So if you were to, um, if you were to meet someone who was in your position three or four years ago and they're sitting there thinking, is this all there is perhaps, or, you know, I want to do something different. Are there, are there things that you would counsel people to think about from your own experience to help them make a decision and maybe, you know, turn that corner into the next phase of their careers? That's a really good question. I've certainly been asked whether in, in my own, you know, personalizing it for me it, with, in hindsight, was that a good decision for me to go off traveling? Um, and perhaps was there things I could have and should have done before I made that decision in that sort of preparation? Um, and I would say, yes, I think if, if you're, if your decision is that in five years time, I don't want to be working in this organization and I'd like to see myself moving into a portfolio route or perhaps um, stepping back a little from, from your current role. Then part of that is, you know, doing some of the things that I did, which is doing, taking on some voluntary role um, to sort of expand your, experiences and your cv and take it in a different direction but you know sometimes you just have to jump and and kind of worry about it afterwards you know you can have all the plans in place i i i from my personal perspective when i went traveling i really thought that when i came back that i would be able to do some consultancy or some interim work etc i hadn't done enough homework to realize that actually the area that I worked primarily in is not an area that you often get a lot of interim work in. Mm -hmm. And in terms of consultancy, I have been a consultant. A number of years ago, I worked in Eastern Europe. I worked in Croatia and Serbia and Kosovo, even in Nigeria. But there was a gap in time from, from that date um, to, to, to the date that I returned. And consultancy had moved on and, you know, that just didn't happen. So perhaps if you're a bit more thoughtful, more thoughtful than I was, um, and perhaps a bit more realistic, then, you know, I, I could and should have done a little bit more before um, I made that decision. But I think it's not everybody's going to be as crazy as me and just give up their job in their mid-50s and go travelling. Um, but if you are going to do that, I would suggest that you start to think about what you want to do when you get back. Um, which you, I didn't do. <laughs> yeah, but what you are showing actually is that you did give it all up and you were crazy and you went traveling and you've been fine. Yes, because I actually, survived. Because actually, <laughs> well, it's not even surviving actually, is because you're doing extremely well. And it's, and, it's, and it's really because you'd built that network, you'd practice with change, you'd built the right sort of mindset. You came back and you were flexible enough actually to say, well, if this is not working, what else is there there? And in a way you've, in a way you discovered a niche that you didn't, you probably never would have found. That's very true. That's a very positive way of looking at it. And you're right. I mean, there, there weren't many, too many sad moments after I returned and, and I am extremely happy with my, with my lot now. And, and who's to say, if we were to have this conversation in two years time, that I might be doing something completely different because that's kind of how I've, 
how I bumbled along, you know, each time something new comes along and you think, yes, that's, that's interesting. That's a new challenge that will keep me out of mischief for another few years. So I think it is that you're right. It's about being adaptable. It's about being, um, it's, it's about maintaining enthusiasm for everything you do as well. If you're, if you're not happy doing it, then why are you doing it? You know, uh, but a, we meet an awful, great, we both meet an message, awful lot of people. Yeah. I know, but we both meet an awful lot of people yeah. who who aren't happy, and particularly at a certain point, particularly at our age, who yeah. are just looking for, um, you know, they're looking for the finishing line. Yeah. You know, I've spoken to people a few weeks ago, and they're saying, you know, in in three years' time, when I when when I finish my job, you know, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna go travelling in three years' time, mm. and I say, well, you're fit and healthy now. What what are you going to be like in three years' time? Um, don't have any regrets. And, you know, if you're desperate to go, then why don't you go? What's stopping you, this, this sort of three-year thing? Um, especially, why don't you think about other things? Exactly, especially these days. Works, because of the way full employment's going at the moment, work at an organisation's extremely flexible things, aren't they? Um, it, it is. It is, more and more. And, and I think that's the benefit for young people is yeah. they're, they're, not, they're perhaps not going to be subject to um the the burnout and the pressure of the um, the work environment because the work environment has changed you know they don't have to be at, at, sat at a desk from 8 or 8 30 every day they can work from home um they can work in an in an open plan office they can flex how they work um it, the work can work around their personal circumstances if they've got caring commitments etc it's just the longevity of of the period they've got to cover no, I think that's that's the thing, and your your message I think is really brilliant. Which is, I like the way you talk about managing your enthusiasm, <laughs> and this idea of saying there are times where there are going to be jobs where you're sitting there and you're not happy, but you know, it get that thing gets you where you're going, and that's important, mm. isn't it? So you can sort of weather that storm. And there are times when you have to look at it and say, I'm not happy, and it's taking me nowhere. And that's the point where you can start thinking, perhaps it's time to do what you did actually, which is just make a choice and maintain control and that's yes. there. and they are the simple building blocks of resilience when it all comes down to it i think so because i mean i think you always said at training there's only one person in charge of that meaning your mouth and it's you mm. and and similarly there's only one person really in charge of your career and that's you yeah you know if you want those other things then you need to find out how can i get there if i haven't got what I need, then I need to get those things. That's the way to look at it is, you know, constantly thinking about yourself as getting yourself in a place that you want to be and, and making sure that you're happy with that place. And if you're not, then, you know, what, where else do I need to get to? Lorraine, that's very wise. You see, I knew you were going to be wise and, <laughs> and such like. And thank you so much. Time, you know, thanks so much for spending time with us today on this podcast. It's been really insightful. I think it's interesting, you know, talking to people who've actually done the maddest of all mad things, which is just to leave, <laughs> have a holiday, come back and say it's going to be great. And, and, and lo and behold, it was. And I think was. actually we can see the building blocks as you talk about your, your journey in a sense that it was probably never going to be in doubt. So um, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you, Russell. You take care. 
Thanks for listening today. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe to hear other titles in our series. Or you can contact us at info at qedod.com to hear and find out more about tough love, leadership, accountability, resilience and burnout. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 to hear and get access to a load of resources to help you manage and fight burnout. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash free ebook to hear more about the fundamentals of resilience. Until the next episode, keep on thriving.